0: Jamesy the Band. Find their music at jamesytheband.bandcamp.com. Hello, world. I'm Charles, and you're listening to The Fool's Journey. Ooh, beautiful music. Shout out to my cousin, Cole Hem, singer-songwriter with the band Jamesy. Shadows never last. Welcome to the broadcast. Time to take off the mask. Now, no, 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 no. the show, show, show you journey. My name is Michael Vivian. And my name is Charles Backhouse. And you're listening to The Fool's Journey. So, Mike, um, I'm an electrician and you're a co op student, uh, electrical mm-hmm. apprentice. Yes, I am. Um, we've just met. We're both artistic guys. And uh, you've had uh, podcasts on your radar of creative endeavors. I have as well. Um, We've started working on another channel for YouTube called Training Knowledge. That's all about um, the trades. But uh, you and I both have other interests. We're not one-dimensional beings. We're more than that, and uh, we're, into, we're into other things. Uh, I think you have a lot of interesting perspectives. You're a very grounded individual. Um, Thank you very much. I think I also have a lot of interesting perspectives, um, and I'm a, a little bit less grounded. I'm much more uh, of a free spirit or a rolling stone, and uh, I have lots of fun stories and adventures uh, to add to my perspectives and experiences to share with you all. Mike, um, right, getting to know me in the past month, what, uh, what is it you think the viewers should know about me? You want to ask me some questions? or?
1: Well... I thought it was very refreshing meeting Charles, basically. Um, The first day uh, I met Charles, basically, he said, I want to know everything about you, and I'll tell you everything about me. That's how I want to meet people. I want to, when someone works for me, I want to make sure we know everything about each other, nothing's really in the dark, which I thought was really refreshing. And he wasn't judgmental. He wouldn't hold anything against me, whatever I said. All my opinions or thoughts or experiences would not affect me or what he thought
0: of me at all. So. Well, that's the way it should be. Um, in in electrical, uh, one thing that lends itself to that is that uh, my livelihood and my life are in the hands of my coworkers. So mm-hmm. I want to really know who they are and what they're made of. Um, <laughs> for example, one time I was uh, we were up high, uh, me and this laborer who. I should, should not have been asked to trust, but we were carrying large panels, uh, heavy panels, and we were kind of doing a balancing act and carrying them. And without any notice, this other guy decided that it was too heavy for him, and he just let go. Mm-hmm. The panel fell 20 feet to the floor, and I almost fell with him, with the panel. And uh, that was because he didn't give me any warning. I mean, he could have easily said... Uh, this is too much for me. Let's let let's put it down,
2: yeah,
0: and not uh, risk the material cost and the and your life. But but also, I'm pretty empathetic and pretty curious, and so that was another motive for me trying to get to know you. Is is I mean, what point is? Well, how should I express this? Uh, life is pretty boring alone. <laughs> and, and the more we share with each other, uh, the more freedom we have, the more free flowing communication, energy, ideas, etc. The better, the better chance of success we both have. Period. Well said. Yeah, and I got that actually. Uh, train of thought from a book I I wrote. I read um, about uh, building a team. Before, when I started my company, um, I looked, researched how to build a team. And uh, apart from the old adage, uh, there's no I in team, um, there was another statistic that really impacted me because I have this issue in my family. I, have, I come from two different families. One's an uh, upper-middle-class English family. And one is a lower-middle-class or even lower-class Yugoslavian or Slovenian is uh, now the country we we originate from on that side. And the two families uh, had different um, ways of dealing with each other, different things like this, uh, total different cultures. But when I read this, I thought of my two families, and it said that uh, families that share information about finances openly are statistically much more financially successful than the families who guard jealously the information on finances. So, Uh. so I've always, I've always, it's always been my experience that the free flow of information is much more valuable than the concealment of information. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'll just put a little plug in here. Uh, I'm a secret society member of multiple secret societies Mm
2: -hmm. or
0: secretive societies. Basically, they're philosophical and philanthropical fraternities. Um, And it's not that... uh, It's not that secrets are the uh, goal or the most valued result. Uh, The secrets are more for... The beginners they're to protect the beginners from getting too much information all at once um, so that they don't uh, misinterpret things or get carried away or get literally ahead of themselves in their growth and development a lot of uh, the secret societies I'm a part of are are um, antique versions of depth psychology and their philosophies. Um, and I do like psychology. You do too. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of discussions on that. So let's keep the ball rolling. What what uh, what do you think our viewers sh- should get to know about me first? What do you think? Uh, oh. Me, the fool, in my <clears throat> journey. Well, maybe um, if you're comfortable, whatever...
1: Um the hardships you uh you've faced so far and that's how you've turned out after and what you really learned from those experiences.
0: What kind of hardships are you talking about?
1: Anything that's in your life that's kind Which ones
0: of, are you thinking about?
1: Um, anyone's uh any let's say just um more like trials by fire that you've faced in your life that could have either broken you or could or made you the person you are today. Um, just any of note. Well,
0: I was, uh, we'll start with a few, actually, then. Uh, In my early years, I was, um, bullied, uh, partly because I grew up in an all-Italian American or Canadian, all-Italian community. And my mom was Yugoslavian or Slovenian, who the Italians in the north actually used and treated as slaves and, uh, and servants, uh, kind of like uh, the Mexicans of, of, um, of USA. Uh, that's what the Slovenians were to the Italians. And my dad being English. Uh, to the Italians, they were the oppressive enemy, the munja cakes, uh, the ones that were rich enough to eat cake all the time, while everybody's eating mm-hmm. potatoes and pasta, and um, and so I was a literal uh, outcast in my in my home community. Um, I had lots of friends uh, say nasty things about uh, my genetic heritage on a regular basis, and then when I gave them the look like. Come on, I'm right here. They would uh, just smile and shrug it off and say, "But you're one of us." And uh, you know, uh, I was happy for their acceptance, but I uh, I realized I also didn't really have their acceptance because I was not truly one of them. And only because they knew me was I one wa- was I one of them. Uh, only because they knew me so intimately was I one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think that. Combined with another issue around culture, was that my maternal and paternal cultures did not see eye to eye and had a lot of uh, animosity between the two. In fact, my grandmother threatened not to go to my parents' wedding because my father was marrying a Catholic woman. Um, To which my dad informed her Listen, mom, you may not, you don't have to come to the wedding. But there will be a seat just for you, and there will be a wedding. And that convinced his mother, my grandmother, who has recently passed, bless her soul, uh, to come to the wedding. It didn't convince her to totally accept my mother's culture, though, hmm. and there were lots of incidences where I was taught um, the foolishness of tribalism and religious dogmas Um So I, being the firstborn male of the firstborn male in the backhouse noble bloodline, uh, am an Anglican by baptism. And my sisters, being my mother's daughters, are Catholic. And I also went to a Catholic school. So I had all this tribalism that I grew up around, this oppressive, divisive, um, negative uh, growth uh, stunting um, tribalism that I, I very quickly learned uh, to avoid, learned to distrust, learned mm-hmm. to even hate. Uh, I mean, I, I do partake in some tribalism, and that is more in the positive air of things, mm-hmm. like um, let's be together, let's unite. Yeah. Uh, that's more for humanity, though, than for any one tribe recognizing that we all come from tribes and cultures and families etc mm-hmm. which uh serve their purposes but definitely are not set up to divide us mm-hmm. um and so i i um uh, grew up loving anthropology loving cultures grew up in toronto toronto has pretty much the whole world's uh cultural they have a representation from all the world's cultures Mm-hmm. um so that was impactful <laughs> yeah uh my father was also my my mother i think is a codependent she uh is an overeater <clears throat> she taught me that my father was a military tough love slightly abusive parent when i say slightly i mean it didn't happen often and didn't happen too extremely but he was abusive <laughs> The definitions were different, depending on the time, right? Yeah, back when I was growing up, I actually did not realize I was an abused child. Um, uh, By those definitions, the definitions were just becoming clarified in public knowledge on what was child abuse, and and it was still okay to spank your kids. Um, My father once, when my sister and I would argue uh, once or twice, he banged our heads together like in The Three Stooges. That was... To think of that as an adult, to think of a man doing that to children, it makes me cringe. And um, I'm not, uh, not happy about having gone through that. There was also, I'll tell you a little bit about my hockey life. There was uh, two years in a row where at the beginning of these two years, I had a clean, open ice hit on a smaller player mm-hmm. who was a star forward um, he was a goal getter and all that stuff and he got caught by him. I got I got the angle I took the angle away from him while while skating and uh, backward skating mm-hmm. and I just stopped and I put all my my muscle into the stop and just stood at him with my with my fist protecting my stomach
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that that those two fists became the impact point for his ribs as he ran into me full speed and he broke his ribs. This was a violent kind of community, uh, Scottish community. And my team was more, uh, Italian team. And basically this, this, uh, coach also was a convener for their, uh, team throughout the ages, uh, their organization. And my dad was a convener for our organization and they had many difference of opinions at the, um, the Ontario, like the conglomerate of different organizations. So Mm -hmm. he also had a bone, a personal bone to pick with my family. And he sent his son and his entire team to headhunt and try to attack me every single game. We had about, uh, been about 12 games a year so for for 24 mm-hmm. times ish i was uh my uh got to the point where uh, where i started getting afraid because i kept winning they kept coming at me mm-hmm. with fights or or trying to play dirty in the corners i just was better than them at it i <laughs> yeah uh that same game uh the son the father sent the son out at me and uh I just got into uh, hockey fighting and my first fight was with a guy who I kept punching him in his face mask and he kept laughing at me. And, uh, you know, I had my hockey glove on, which is padded, uh, so it didn't hurt my fist. But I got upset and I, I asked my father, I said, Dad, you know, this, was, this hurt my ego. I was punching this guy in the face mask and he was laughing. And my dad just shook his head and he said, you know, I don't condone fighting, but if it's going to happen, then you better know how. Mm-hmm. And he said, punching a guy in the face mask isn't going to have much impact. He's completely protected. Yeah. But if you punch him in the chin with an uppercut, the chin strap's only there. And not only that, if the padding protects him, you're still jogging his head upwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's still going to hurt him. So I guess my dad was pretty good at selling me dirty tricks to, to go with the game, but... Mm-hmm. In this fight, the referees knew there was uh, animosity. They might have even known the coach or my father. But uh, I had just sent, I had just not getting a penalty. They made the decision not to give me a penalty for that check where the guy broke his ribs. Mm-hmm. So I just sent a player to the hospital without penalty. And about five minutes later, basically the first opportunity when I was on the ice again. The coach and also convener that had animosity towards my father let his son out of the box, who just skated illegally, because they now had six players on the ice, plus the goalie. Okay. Skated illegally, right for me. And I was in the deep... I was in my defensive zone and the puck and the whole play was Mm -hmm. in their defensive zone. So I was by myself, I had just cleared the ice, Mm -hmm. and he was heading for me. Just not for any reason but to hurt me. So I got prepared for the fight and very soon I found myself surrounded by referees and players who all wanted to let us fight. Okay. And my dad describes seeing this from the fans. He says, you just see a whole bunch of shirts. Uh, you know, the team colors. Yeah. Or jerseys. And then you see pretty perfectly timed like one, two, three. You see my glove color for my team was red and blue. You see the red and blue glove pop up through the center of the, of the circle of jerseys. And what was happening was the guy was trying to pull my jersey over my helmet so that he could really do damage, like see where my padding ends and maybe hit me in my, in my kidneys or something or at least disorientate me or humiliate me or, hit me with hockey sticks or mm-hmm. whatever he wanted to do. But his main goal was to stop, was to disable be, me by pulling my shirt over from the back over up and over my helmet, which is really hard to undo as well and really strangles you as well. And, uh, and I wouldn't let him, and I kept giving him my back so he would at least try, but he had to bring the shirt over my head to the front, so he couldn't really do it. Yeah. and i would I would literally turn my back to him as he would try to grab at my shirt and when he got a grip, I would spin around and which pulled him down as he tried to maintain the grip and and throw my fist up trying to hit him with an uppercut so my father says he just he so that's what's happening inside nobody could see it all they see is a circle of jerseys and you see my fist coming up every three seconds mm-hmm And then another time. And then by the third time, instead of seeing my red and blue glove, the other team had red helmets. You just see a red helmet go straight up in the air, about the same height as my fist. Mm -hmm. And then you see the body of that coach's son fall right down to the floor, like straight plank. Wow. Because I do have a really strong... Uh, this is my slovenian genetics yeah. I'm very dense muscular and uh, very dense boned and very short and stout and uh, kind of like a Mike tyson punch uh, mm. <laughs> is, is what I got probably not as powerful by any means but at age 14 uh, like I knocked this guy and he kind of he got got airborne and so that was the beginning of the rivalry and, and it got to the point where uh, going in, even without my equipment on, I was like, imagine I'm carrying a fifty-pound hockey bag over my shoulder, and I have a stick in my hand, mm-hmm. and I have no padding. Imagine fifty guys with ho- or ten guys with hockey sticks come running at me and just start hitting me. Holy shit! Man. Well, that was in my imagination that that could happen, I'm vulnerable, so I remember yeah. feeling incredibly vulnerable approaching the arena, especially since my hockey bag had my number mm-hmm. on it, because it was often hard to recognize a player without his equipment on, but to have my number there, mm. they're playing me, all they gotta do is wait around a corner as I come up through the parking lot, yeah. and they got me, and I remember you know, really taking care getting to and from the hockey arena, because... These guys were obviously way more ghetto than I was in their mentality. They were more vicious, more mm-hmm. um, more tribal, for sure. Because yeah. the Italians are incredibly tribal, but they're really selfish in the culture. Like, me first, me first. Right. Yeah, I'm Italian, I'll help you out. But a lot of times it's fake and pretend. It's yeah. really about me first. And, and that's a cultural thing that I've observed. And, and these mm-hmm. are the types of things I've gone through. Just observing cultures and how they behave and how they treat one another and what i really have come to conclude is that um we're all equal you gotta there's anomalies and there's anomalies everywhere life is a beautiful random order (laughs) you know chaos more whatever it's it's uh uh, lower the expectations judge everybody with humility Mm -hmm. don't cast the first stone on a sinner because you yourself are one these kind of these kind of tenants are, are have kind of deeply affected me with real life experiences as
1: mm-hmm. to
0: why you want to pay attention to them. Um, you know, the world's we got this Muslim versus Western. The world's really fucked up right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When that was starting to happen, I was in Europe, and um, I was in Spain in Barcelona. And the political party that was uh, opposing the Empower Party, they wanted the support of the immigrants in in Spain. And most of the immigrants were from northern Africa, so Muslim people. And they set up um, Spanish lessons in the morning and in the evening for 12 hours each. So that's 24 hours a, a week okay. of Spanish lessons for free, basically, to all immigrants mm-hmm. of Spain. So it cost, it wasn't free, it cost five euros for the year, but that's so little, it's almost yeah. free. And for 24 hours a week of lessons, you could go unlimited. Mm-hmm. And the way they afforded it was the teachers were student teachers. Okay. So they did it for free, or little to no money, and obviously fundraising was involved, etc. hmm So, I found myself in a classroom with uh, multiple nationalities of Northern Africa and uh, the Middle East. Uh, There was one Polish guy who was my roommate. And there was uh, one Russian woman who became my girlfriend for a while. And one Indonesian man. But he was still Muslim. But he was very more multicultural. He spoke English. And... uh, and that was it, and me. Uh, the Indonesian man was was brown. Me and the other two uh, Eastern Europeans were the only Europeans. And then everybody was Northern African. And, we, and I, I impressed some of them. Uh, so this is the time when George Bush Jr. went into Iraq for the first time. Okay, And uh, the, the history was that the Spanish government offered their people... A vote, whether to support the Iraq War or not, and the mm-hmm. Spanish people said, "No, let's not support those greedy Americans. It's just about oil," because yeah. nobody really believed uh, globally the weapons of mass destruction thing. And the Spanish government said, uh, "Oh, we recognize your vote of no, but uh, we recognize the power of the mighty dollar, and we're going, we're going to war." So there were riots, there were protests, there was a lot of dis- civil unrest in Spain at the time, and I was there. And uh, also I want to mention right on that note that being a North, America, a North American and living in Europe, seeing the news, I mean in Canada, we never were, we were never, there were never news stories where they said five American soldiers, five Canadian soldiers, they never told about the Allied soldiers that were dead that day. And there were always five to ten that were dead that day. And in Europe, you got the accounts of how many allied forces were dead that day. But in North America, no, no mention of it. Yeah. So I, got, I also got, became aware to social engineering. It's mm-hmm. a real thing. I was shocked that it was a real thing. We went to the Muslim ghetto, and in that, in that meeting, I was told... You know, I, I earnestly asked questions respectfully and, and, and got to some of the deeper questions, like, What do you guys think of Saddam Hussein? And the two of them went, Ah, Saddam Hussein. And they would speak in, in Arabic to one another. One of them spoke broken Spanish, I spoke broken Spanish. And that's how we communicated. Mm-hmm. But there was lots of Arabic dialogue. And uh, But there was a bit of a prayer when they said his name, when they repeated mm-hmm. it. And that was basically explained that, Osama, that uh, Saddam Hussein was a good guy because he fucking fucked the Americans. And he even, he used their weapons and their tactics against them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then what about Osama bin Laden? Oh, with Osama bin Laden, there was actually praise in their voice. Osama bin Laden, yeah, he was a good guy. He was, and, and he even studied under the Americans because that's actually mm-hmm. true. Osama was uh, some sort of army I think educated.
1: I, uh, I think I
0: heard about that but I don't have the, that much knowledge on the topic so I'm not quite mm-hmm. mad. But, uh. but anyways, Osama was definitely military trained by, uh, as a prince uh, by the American Army and then went and opened up his own military camps. Yeah. I think even funded by USA at one point at, at one point against the Russians but then he used that against them and that was that was great to these muslim guys like to fuck the USA over using the USA's resources was like an act of god a prophet mm. it's a prophet like what the fuck yeah I, and I tried to understand this and I basically asked point blank 9/11 had happened and 9/11 was a somber sobering real sad time for us in North America especially on the East Coast mm-hmm. we all had people that were kind of involved in, in that that experience it was it was bad for us and and I was it was only a year or two later and I uh, and I asked them what about 9-11 and they said oh that was good and I'm like what the fuck like, you guys realize you're saying this to me, and I said, well, what about all the people that died? Isn't mm-hmm. isn't Muhammad, isn't is isn't Allah for living people? Isn't he the creator? Yeah, he is, but those people died for jihad, or they died for a good reason, so that's good. And I said, but what about the Muslims that died? Mm-hmm. Well, the Muslims that died, they go straight to paradise because they, they died for the Muslim cause. It was very fanatical, dogmatic thinking they were telling me. And they had no qualms, and I said, "Well, what about, what about the Christians? Oh, they can't go to paradise, but so they go to hell." And you he said, "That's okay." He's like, "Well, all Christians go to hell, and Jews—they all go to hell, no matter what." Uh, but because they died for the jihad, they go to the highest level, the nicest part of hell. And I was like, "What the fuck are you <laughs> like?" I was very shaken up by the things I was hearing. I tried to ask some questions that would. Gear them towards being more sensitive, Mm -hmm. and they were sensitive, but with this blanket dogmatic thing. Like, Mm -hmm. so then I started questioning. Like, okay, well, if if a Christian lives according to the rules of Muhammad and Islam, Mm -hmm. what about them?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Are they not good? They're good. We we appreciate that, but but still. They don't get into heaven unless they really convert to Islam. I said, well, what if they do everything except for the conversion? No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. It's impossible. You have to do, you have to do that. So it's basically, and also, then they also informed me, if a Gentile tries to copy Islam without converting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they, as a Muslim, are required by Muslim law to kill me. Okay. To kill a, that, that non-Muslim. So, and and actually, the Jews also have this law too. I found out, so that's some crazy political biblical shit. Where mm-hmm. you could see that that's more of not a divine thing. It's more of a let's create this to make it easy to protect ourselves, kind of, yeah, and to protect our ways. Because actually, the Jews and the Christians, they all had copycats in the early times. I'm I finding out. I mm-hmm. I love research for sure stuff. Um. Do you want to uh,
1: put a pin in that for the next podcast as we are... Uh, Let about- me just finish the the
0: the more the most curious part of that. At one okay. point I had to pee. Mm-hmm. And I tried to hold it in for a long time but I couldn't anymore. And I asked to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there was a very si- serious, slightly violent looking discussion that lasted quite a long time in Arabic between the two gentlemen I was with Okay. over whether or not to allow me To use the restroom. How come? I don't know. Except for in retrospect with a lot more bad shit happening to me in my life. Did I ever think of this? And I'll tell you what I saw. So then I go, I'm allowed to go to the bathroom.
2: Mm. I go
0: to the bathroom. I pee. I wash my hands. And then I notice the bathtub is full of a slightly transparent reddish liquid. And I come out, and I just, like, keep talking and blah, blah, blah. And they're studying me as I come out of the bathroom. And the one that wanted to let me go is like, see? Told you, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we kept on going. And then I left, and I had to walk home through the Muslim ghetto alone, which freaked me out. And, not, and, and also being told that my life was worthless. You know, th- th- there was a lot of fucked up shit going on. Also, that Muslim ghetto... Also, uh, birth gangs, lots of gangs were living in that ghetto. And so I'll just say in retrospect, I'm married to a Mexican now and there was a guy, there is a substance, some sort of acid. I don't know too much about it cause I'm not a psychopath,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: apparently it, uh, you could put it in a bathtub or a plastic barrel yeah. and you could uh, put a body in there too. And it just completely turns it to mm-hmm. nothing. There's no evidence left. But I would suspect that this transparent acid, because I've seen it on the news, they it's sulfuric acid. Yeah, I would expect that if you put a body in it, there would at least be remnants of the blood in the acid. Um, I think like, there would, would there be, be a there color. Be, there would be. Uh, would yeah, be about, so uh, maybe color. there was a color. Maybe there was a. Maybe that was a body. Maybe these guys. These guys definitely seem like Muslim fanatics. And when I left there, there was more than one Muslim fanatic attack bombing on Madrid and other cities in Spain. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty fucked up, but yeah, let's put a pin on that. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that, there, yeah. Maybe I maybe I almost died that day. But yeah. <laughs> maybe I was talking to murderers or maybe I was just talking to a very strange Muslim fanatic. Yeah. Well <laughs> either the way. Good news, um
1: if it was sulfuric acid it it probably wouldn't put it in the tub because it actually would eat through the metal. It would eat the metal. It would eat the metal, so okay, you might thank have. Goodness. You yeah. might have actually not been. So maybe it was
0: just there. a special bath.
1: Uh, well, hopefully, you know what that's.
0: Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. The best. Um... Maybe if any of our viewers know of Northern African cultures, and know of any reason why uh, someone would have bath water in their tub and we're talking hours like we came from class so there was hours that the water was sitting there Mm -hmm. that had a transparently rosy red color if any of our listeners have any ideas come on and write in in the comments
1: yeah (laughs) etc well definitely if it was hours it would probably not be sulfuric acid so that's probably that's a good thing
0: that's a good good thing thing. yeah thank you for being positive no maybe also my sense of uh drama uh, makes me want to embellish the story with the, yeah. with the sulfuric acid uh, uh, conjecture but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways all right wolves see you next time yeah. thanks to jamesy the band jamesytheband.bandcamp.com thanks for listening to the fool's journey